Hi, I'm Lawrence Carroll, and welcome to Two Question Tuesday. Well, the U.S. appears to have avoided a full-blown financial crisis in the month since Silicon Valley Bank went belly up, and the markets have rallied. Still, there are signs that a significant credit crunch is coming and liquidity is drying up. The Fed says banks have tightened lending standards. It's been more than 10 years since it's been this hard to borrow money, say small businesses. Distressed corporate debt has rocketed 300% and bond and loan defaults are rising. Corporate bankruptcies are surging, especially in the construction and retail sectors. So the first question is, will this cash, will this cash crunch cause a deep recession? Well, I don't know if it's gonna cause a significant deep recession, but I'm certainly think it's very possible that we're gonna see further deterioration in the rates of growth in the US economy. Um, Atlanta Fed forecasts for GDP have already started to trickle a little bit lower. We're already now in the Fed's blackout period, so we won't hear any future commentary about what the Federal Reserve is likely to do. But one really important data point that we have not gotten ever since the banking distresses has began is the Fed's senior loan officer survey, which basically shows um, banking executives and what their uh, ability is to lend out money and in terms of the overall structure of their banks, what their willingness to do that actually is. Now, that actually won't be released until after the next Fed announcement, but the Fed gets future insight into this particular report before it's actually released in the public. So it's going to be really interesting to watch what the Fed does in the upcoming weeks because market participants largely think that they are going to raise rates again. And based off of the last inflation report, it's probably very likely that they do so. Now, we have a GDP report that's coming out for the first quarter this week in conjunction with that Fed senior loan officer survey. So if any particular one of those data points are more weaker than anticipated, it's very likely that you might see additional commentary from the Fed about what they're likely to do given the circumstances. I mean, we're kind of in this really negative scenario for central banks because you have a persistent level of inflation in conjunction with a decelerating economic output. So uh, on the, in the grand scheme of things, I, I don't necessarily know if we want to call this a severe and or deep recession because it's still unclear whether we're going to get two consecutive negative quarters of GDP. I think because of the strength early in the year, we may only get one in the second quarter. So that necessarily wouldn't be characterized as a recession because that would be two consecutive negative quarters of GDP. However, I do think that it would be naive to believe that given the fact that we've also, you know, we, we just lapped tax filing season. So that's another negative uh, deposit base scenario for banks as people have to pay their taxes and they withdraw money from their bank accounts. So it's likely to see bank liquidity continue to dry up with facilitates a slowdown in lending, um, which could facilitate a contraction in the U.S. economy. Whether it's two consecutive quarters, it's hard to tell yet whether that's going to happen. I don't necessarily think that it does happen, but second quarter, you could see move into negative territory. Okay, you ready for the second? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, on Michael's point, you know, the restrictions, right, in the economy uh, from, from the Fed tightening thus far, you got to give it time. Uh, if I were the Fed, I wouldn't be raising rates anymore. You know, I'm sure they'll go another 25 basis points, but I wouldn't do it if I were them. I think we're past the point where the Fed needs to continue to withdraw liquidity from the economy. Absolutely. Okay, so here's the second question. Last Thursday, Tesla's earnings sank 24% and 
much slower than Wall Street expected. And then one of Elon Musk's SpaceX rockets sort of punctuated the day by then blowing up. What's going on at Tesla? What's going on with Musk? Has he taken on more than he can handle? Yeah, what bad timing, huh? I mean, bad earnings report. Well, interpreted bad by Wall Street, and then a rocket blowing up. On the yeah, perfect earnings. metaphor, huh? Yeah, really. So, but you know what? Look, there's a lot of noise surrounding Tesla. Uh, when you look at these hyper growth companies over time, I got a few phone calls last week, uh, and this is a long term story. Uh, you can't look at a company like this quarter by quarter. Now, you look at their growth rates, it's still north of 20%. Uh, the EV market is extremely small, uh, you know, globally, and Tesla has a, a, the largest percentage of that. I know there's, you know, competition coming in. They are leaps and bounds. Their software is so far ahead of everything else that's out there uh, that they have just market, you know, what's a wide moat business. And that's what, you know, Warren Buffett always subscribed to wide moat leaders in business. Um, you know, you look at someone like Ron Barron, who is where we originally met Elon Musk uh, and, and were, was introduced to Tesla as a company uh, many years over a decade ago now. Uh, and, um, you know, they just have fabulous engineering. Uh, they have unbelievable technology that they're employing. Uh, they're scratching the surface. We're just rolling out the EV uh, infrastructure in the U.S., whether you like it or not. Um, you know, and look, there, there, there's obviously uh, pains in the in the neck. You know, uh, sometimes I was with a friend last week in the charging stations, but this is being rolled out, and this is the future, right? I mean, you know, the government has said that this is going to happen, and it, it will happen, and they'll replace most uh, combustible uh, ve- combustion vehicles very shortly. So, I think that with any growth story, you're going to have ups quarters, down quarters. Uh, it is a pricing war started by Tesla. Um, they could really shrink their margins tremendously and still make money, um, you know, on the software that they employ uh, to many other makers and and certainly on the rollout uh, with their EV stations. So um, I think that you just, you know, hold these things. These are long-term stories and you really have to ignore the noise uh, on a quarterly basis because that would get you nowhere. Uh, with these hyper-growth companies, even whether it was Microsoft or Apple in the beginning, too. Uh, not as noisy, though, as, as, as Musk certainly is. I mean, um, but fantastic technology, fantastic long-term growth prospects. Yeah, price-cutting war. It showed this quarter that they really have more car-making uh, exposure uh, than people have thought. Um, but they file, They also filed their 10Q, which really gives you a greater um, you know, look into the earnings report than just the earnings report. They filed that on Wednesday or Thursday also. Uh, and it really showed there that, you know, on their warranties and some of the internal uh, financing uh, that they've been aggressive too. Um, but they have a lot of cash on hand. And uh, I think you just have to ignore the voice. I mean, what this is that in conjunction with everything else, it's really important to understand like the long-term story and what your intentions are for holding something like this realistically. I mean, you're talking about a company that saw an immense amount of growth over the last three to four years, and now they kind of have to soak up and satch- and basically come to market with additional products in order to increase the revenue offerings beyond what they can do on the car front. So I've seen a lot of different reports about their taxi business, the auto taxi stuff, the software that they have. So like, you have to really understand what the long-term objectives are because 
there can be so much short-term noise within the variability of the long-term, and you almost have to weed that out sometimes to understand what that long-term objective actually is in terms of what the future of this company has the potential to be. So you, know, you look at you look at like the, the report from the large automakers, right? Ford and GM. And you know, year over year sales of gasoline cars were flat, while EV cars were up 45%. You know, that that's a tremendous amount. And with EV sales growing 15% of that. So this is the way it's going to be. Yeah, and the largest portion of the EV market has still been the United States. I mean, you have to understand what's going on on a global front here. There's going to be much longer term secular shifts beyond just the United States with this. That's really important to understand. So, look at technology has its ups and downs, and you know, just looking on a quarterly basis at that new tech and even yearly basis, right, is not the right way to judge companies. Okay, well, thanks, guys. That was great. And if you'd like to submit a question, send it to our email address, which is question at twoquestiontuesday.com, and we'll be back next week. Take care, guys. Okay.